You guys can be seated. Hey, we're going to be jumping in in just a moment. If you want to go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 3, um, into Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verse 14. We're going to cover quite a bit of that. We're going to jump around in Ephesians just a little bit. Um, but I want to back up to where we've been, the la- where we've gone the last three weeks. And here's what we've covered. We, we stated at the very beginning, three weeks ago, of But God, that there are parts of Scripture where we see that it appears that the course of the direction of the story, the narrative, is everything is going wrong, everything is evil, everything is sinful, and then there is a But God moment where God begins to move, where God begins to lead, and on the other side of that is light, is life, is hope, is forgiveness, is grace. We saw that in Noah, when Noah was, had, had followed the instructions of God, built the ark, was out floating upon the water, and God begins to dissipate the water. But before he does, he says, but God. But God remembered Noah. And there the story begins. We begin to see how this story begins to unravel and begin to be seen for us to, to grab a hold of and see that but God moment. We saw that in the story of Joseph. If you were with us two weeks ago, uh, the story of Joseph is a powerful story. It's hard to tell on one Sunday morning because it covers 13 chapters of the Bible. And we raced through that story to get to the end because in the end, all these difficult things had happened. He'd been betrayed. He'd been enslaved. He'd been imprisoned. And at the end, he looks upon his betrayers, being his brothers, and he says, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Through Ephesians, we saw in week one of that series, we saw that but God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which loved us even when we were dead in our sins. And so this morning and this week, I've been asking a question to myself. What about me? And I want to turn it to you. What about you? Do you believe that God wants and desires to use your experiences, your hardships, your pain, your sinful past, and use that through His grace and forgiveness to be used for His good work? Do we believe that? I mean, it's great to get kind of a pep talk from Noah and a pep talk from Joseph and a pep talk um, as we see Nehemiah last week. But then it becomes a reality for us to examine our hearts and ask, do we believe that God desires to move and do more in your life? Do we believe that God desires to move and do more in and through our lives? So this morning, I want to share a prayer with you, Uh, a long prayer from Paul to the church of Ephesus. And he's sharing it with them as a pastor. He's speaking these words to them. But what I want to do this morning is speak these words from Paul that he's writing to the church of Ephesus. But I also want to speak them upon you as a church. As a prayer for you as a church. From my heart to your heart. And so Paul begins this prayer in chapter 14. He says, For this reason... I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. For this reason is one of those phrases that you've got to know what the for this reason is about. We've walked through this passage about five, six years ago, but it's important that we remind ourselves for what reason. He says, for this reason, and he's about to pray for them. He says, for this reason, I bow on my knees. For what reason? What, what's he referring to? 
Now, as parents, when we go to our children and we say, hey, uh, kid, I need you to go take out the garbage. I need you to go make sure that you don't kill your sibling, right? Um, whatever it is that we're telling those sweet little sinners, right? Um, whatever we're saying to them, we look upon them and we say that, we give them instruction, and sometimes they'll look back at you and go, why? Head spins around a couple times as a parent. You get back into reality, and the number one parental answer on the board for that question is what? Because I said so. Kid, it doesn't matter what you want to do or why you think you should do it, because I said so. Now, it's probably not a great answer, parents, all right? It's probably, we could probably explain it a little bit better, but we need to know when Paul says, for this reason, I bow on my knees before my father, what is driving him to his knees? What's driving him to his knees to pray for his friends in the church of Ephesus? It's not just a desire. It's not just a, a love for them. He speaks in the beginning of chapter 3, he says, for this reason. In chapter 2, he says, for this reason. So I believe we've got to back all the way up to chapter 1, verse 3. We'll just go for a couple of verses here this morning. Blessed be the God and our Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he, even as he chose us, in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to his purpose and will. He goes on to say in verse 7, he says, In him we have redemption through his blood. We have forgiveness of our sins according to his riches, which he lavishly pours out upon us. This is the plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things through Jesus Christ. And so when Paul, if I could summarize this for you, when Paul opens up the chapter of the book of Ephesians, he's writing to them, he said, listen, everything I'm about to tell you is because of who you are in Jesus Christ. None of this is about yourself all of this is on your identity that you have through Jesus, through the blood that he has shed on the cross, through the forgiveness that he's offered. For this reason, he is bowing on his knees. Because of what he knows of the cross and the power of Jesus Christ, he is led to his knees for his congregation. It's not because Paul just wants to give him a pep talk. It's not because Paul just wants to write, hey guys, hope you're having a great Saturday. No, for this reason i bow on my knees the reason is if we can simplify this for our moving forward this morning is the cross of jesus christ the life the death the resurrection of jesus christ conquering sin and death the cross we're going to build on this as we see this morning paul's going to build on this as we see this morning for this reason I bow on my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. Now this is a promise that Paul is speaking of, that Jesus spoke of. In John chapter 14 through 16, he spoke that the Holy Spirit would come upon those who follow Jesus Christ and pursue him, and the Holy Spirit would fill them, and power would come upon them. Paul states that the power of the cross 
And the promise of Jesus resides in those who have trusted in Jesus. Again, some of this is a refresher for you. Some of this may be new for you. But to think, if we submit our lives to Jesus, Scripture says the power of Jesus Christ, of the Holy Spirit, comes to reside in us. The cross, for this reason, Paul says, I bow on my knees before the Father. I, I, I plead through the, fa- the, through the family in heaven on earth that is named. And I pray for power. He speaks of this power again in Ephesians. He says in chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, he says, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards those who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. I want to back up there. Verse 19, he says, So what is this greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to his great might? that he worked in Christ and raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places. Essentially, if you've trusted in Christ, the same power, we've sung about this, the same power that conquered sin and death at the cross through the resurrection of Jesus Christ now resides in every single person who claims to follow Jesus. Do you get that kind of power? I mean, do you grasp the power, the significance. In the first service, I said, do you get it? And like three people said, amen. I said, well, we got three out of 400. Not too bad, right? We got a little bit of power going on here. But if you have submitted your life, realized your sinfulness and your need for a Savior, and you've submitted to Jesus Christ, I need you to know something. I need you to know we're praying for you to realize something. The power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. And any time that you consider and you think, I don't have the power, I don't have the strength, you be reminded that for this reason, we bow on our knees for you to realize the power of Christ living inside of you. But that's not all. Paul is praying for them. He says there's there's a dwelling in you. The, The cross brings power, but it also brings faith. He says in verse 17, the beginning, he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith so the cross brings power the cross brings faith but it's not a outlying faith it's not something that exists on the perimeter of our lives no it's a inside it is a dwelling inside of us faith now when emily and i were in student ministry just a few years ago 14 years ago um kind of crazy and some of you that are in this room used to dwell in our house I'm not going to stare at anybody in the room, all right? You used to dwell in our house. And here's what I translate that as. You came in my house. You dwelled in my living room. You dwelled in my kitchen. You dwelled in my refrigerator. And you dwelled in my cabinets, okay? You made yourself at home. So much to the point that we would have to walk over to the cereal. Cereal and students, it's crazy. We would say, this row is for you. Don't touch anything else. You can dwell anywhere else. Right here is where you dwell for food, all right? But you make yourself at home. Paul is not saying, listen, Christ comes in you so he can dwell on the, ex- on the very edges of your faith. He says, no, the power of God is moving in your life in such a way that faith 
makes itself at home. And as faith and as trust and the promises of God make themselves at home in your life, the things that no longer need to be in your life begin to be pushed out of your life by faith, by power, by the cross. Faith makes itself at home. Faith begins to redefine our actions and our thoughts. Faith begins to push out the old desires and replace them with the new. Faith is hinged to the cross. The cross brings power and faith, but it also brings love. Now I know we say the word love. It's Valentine's week, right? For some of you, it's a great week. Some of you, it's a painful week, right? We're just going to leave Valentine's Day completely alone, right? But love, we get this feeling of love, and there's red everywhere. It was not intentional. There's red everywhere. First service, I even realized that. There's red everywhere. And it's just this great, warm, fuzzy feeling. I want you to know something. The love that Paul is speaking of is far deeper than that type of love. He says, the cross, for this reason, he bows on his knees before his heavenly Father, and he's praying for them to know the power. He's praying for them to know the faith. And then he continues, he says, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Some of you have performed your weddings and some of you have asked me to do and to read from Scripture. You've asked me to read from the love chapter, right? 1 Corinthians 13. Um, I'm fine with that, but I need you to understand that was not written for a bride and groom. It was written for the bride, meaning the church. It was written for the church to know how to behave with, um, among itself. And how we as fellow believers are supposed to care for each other and to love each other. And if you read through that and you allow that type of love to define who you are, we become a powerful and incredibly gifted group of people to impact our community with the grace of Jesus Christ because of that love. So understand what he says. He says, listen, I'm praying for you. I am on my knees before you. I'm praying and encouraging when you get this letter to know that you are filled with the power. You are filled with faith. You are filled with love. You are filled. You are full in Jesus Christ. There's a fullness that comes in this relationship. Paul is teaching. He's praying. He's outlining for them. And he says, you're heirs in Christ. You've been given new life. You've been given his power. You've been given his faith. So now let's see what God has in store for us. Verse 20 and 21, two of my favorite verses in Scripture. Some of you may know that. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly. Far more abundantly. Your your translation may say increasingly abundantly or increasingly more. Your translations may say now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly. Uh, Your translation may use another set of two words right there. But could Paul have said here, now to him, speaking of God, now to him who is able to do far more than all we ask or think, could that have sufficed? I mean, he says more. But I think when Paul, and also outside of Scripture, in other writings, when somebody uses two words that have very similar meanings and they use them to define each other, He says this is more abundantly, exceedingly abundantly. 
This is immeasurably more. More to the second power, more. However you want to summarize it, Paul is saying, listen, for this reason, the power of the cross, the faithfulness, the fullness, the forgiveness, the grace, the love, through that, now he is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul is praying for his church to experience more, more. When you read it, it sounds a little awkward. But when you read it, I pray that it is a passage of Scripture that you do not separate 20 and 21 from 14 down to verse 19 because 14 through 19 defines the terms by which we come about more. We are moving spiritually in 14 through 19 through His power, through His faith, through His fullness, through His love, and it delivers for us the opportunity for Him to do more, immeasurably more, in our lives. Now, I'm a more kind of thinker. I think sometimes out of the box. I'm a little creative. I enjoy those type of things. But then there's some of you in this room that are dangerous more and more thinkers. I mean, you pose things and you're just going, there's no way in the world that is ever going to happen. You ever been, with, been like that with someone? Elbows, all right? You ever been like that with someone? But I firmly believe, and I know this as a fact, because I've heard it from people that have left here. I've heard it from people that have come here from other churches. One of the pe- reasons that people are leaving church and not coming back is because the church has become content with less, less. We've become, we've become content with status quo. If the screens work and the air works, I'm going to call it less, less. But we come in, we, we gain these certain things, we know these certain things, and there are people who are walking in going, listen, this God that you serve that's a but God that does the incredible out of darkness and out of destruction and brings things into light, that's a big God. And do we believe and desire for him to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine? My prayer is that we continue and continue to become more and more a church that desires to see more and more happen. I'm not talking about numbers, numbers, but more and more happen. That we see something take place around us in a relationship, in a friendship, and someone come into faith that we know that the only way it happened is because God moved. So that we can't take credit for it, or you can't take credit for it, and you step back and say, I don't know how it happened. More more happened. Immeasurably more happened. I don't know. Exceedingly abundantly happened. Because I know deep inside of every person in this room, there's a desire to do more. There's a desire to be more. There's a desire to grow more. Immeasurably more. God wants us, without a doubt, to reach more people in our county with the gospel of Jesus Christ in multiple manners, multiple ways. And then I think God wants us to do and see us and imagine and do more. I believe God desires for us to be generous as we already are. And then I believe God wants to continue to do more. 
I believe he wants marriages to be restored and destructive behaviors to be changed. And then I believe he wants to do more. I believe he believes that some of us and desires for some of us to quit dabbling around in our faith. Some of us need to commit to some callings that God has placed in our lives, commit to ministry, to commit to being missionaries, commit to those things, make some big steps and say, God, the only way this is going to happen is you do more and more. The only way I'm going to lead, the only way I'm going to take that step is trusting that you are a God, a but God, who can do more and more in my life. Parents, he wants you to pour God's word into your children and into the lives of children. Uh, Awana workers, Sunday morning workers, preschool volunteers. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going to miss somebody. Children's choir, all these different folks that are involved in the lives of our children, parents, grandparents, all of you. God wants to do more and more through our kids. He wants to do more and more. He wants to call some of them to maybe a vocation of being a pastor or being a teacher. But he's calling, I believe, all of these young men and women to become fathers and mothers and leaders in a home. Singles who rise up for the standard of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then I believe he wants to keep doing more. And I believe God wants us to continue to explore ways as we've seen this year in Cornerstone Community Church. Meeting this morning, their fourth Sunday uh, in an area of Lexington that we've never reached before, that we don't draw folks from in that area. And they're experiencing the love of Jesus Christ. And we'd love to see that in multiple neighborhoods around us. And then, God to do immeasurably more. Now, why do I keep saying it that way? Because, see, all of these things that I just read to you that are on my list here, they're things that I can think of. But what does the verse tell us? He says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or even think. He desires to work in and through your life and in and through my life to do things that you cannot even conjure up in your brain. But in order for some of that to happen, we've got to make some moves spiritually. We've got to make some moves spiritually to get there. I am going into a time of confession here. I am undeniably a terrible bowler. It's important, all right? You just laughed at me. I went to, never mind. I really wrestled with sharing that with y'all, and y'all laughed at me. I mean, I'm, I'm a bad bowler, okay? Um, I, I could tell in the first service I even described my bowling technique, um, and I could feel people judging me from the room, all right? I'm a bad bowler, but I'm a competitive person. So when I go to the bowling alley, it's usually once a year with our student ministries. It's about the only time I ever go bowling. Uh, last year, went, went with my family, and, and I go bowling, if that's even what you call it, and I go, go to the bowling alley, and I get the ball, and, and I think in my head that I should be way better than I am. I mean, it's not that hard. It's a big ball, little pins, you know, 50 feet away, whatever it is. Surely I can do this. And the first one, man, I'll roll that ball down there, and I'll knock seven down. I'll knock it, roll it down. I'll get a spare, get the little check mark there, you know, getting all official on the computerized screen, thinking real good of myself. The rest of the day goes downhill from there. I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm terrible at bowling. 
And beside me, I've got some kids. They got the bumpers up with the, with the uh, little arm thing. You know, you put the ball on. It's like a guaranteed. Go down to the middle. And then on the other side, I've got Pro Bowler who has this bowling ball. He's got the rag and he's shining it up between every turn. And they, you know, he's all focused and they sling the ball as if they're going to knock out the windows in the place. And they sling the ball and it just goes crazy. And the, the pins go all, all over the place. And I go, I want to be like that guy. I want to know how to get to that place. I want to know when I stand up in that lane to know when I roll that ball that I can see and experience more, more than I could ever imagine. But I'm not going to walk in there tomorrow. I've already been invited. I'm not going to walk in there tomorrow to go bowling and bowl a 300. Why? Because I don't know how to bowl. I never invested myself in learning how to bowl. I've never learned the techniques. I've never learned the background. I've never learned the different grips. I've never learned what kind of shoes that I like. I've never learned all these techniques and the things that I should know about bowling to come from a minus 100 person to a 300 bowler. I'm never going to get there. And I know I've created in you this morning through verses 20 and 21 a group of people who are going, yes, more and more. Man, I want to see God do more and more in our church, more and more in my life, more and more in our marriage. Then can I just be so bold as to tell you some of you need to make some moves from this lane in order to get close to this lane. Some of us need to make some moves and say, I want a godly marriage. I want to be pure in my singleness. Man, I I want to to learn to love a broken relationship. I want to know how to share the gospel. But just let me just say this. In order for you to bowl that type of life, you've got to step over here and say, I am willing to move in some directions in my life to get me to that place. That's what this week is about for you, church. That's what this week is about for us as a church. It's so that you can examine some areas, some gaps, some struggles, some habits, some things that you'd like to see change to bring you into such a place that when and how God desires to use you for his kingdom, he dials you up and rolls you down and says, watch this. You're not going to believe what I'm going to do with your life. But you got to move. Some of you, you, if you were playing a connect the dot game, which we've done, you, you draw little dots, you get all the way around, you see the big picture. Some of you have got these dots in your mind spiritually and you've kind of come around the corner and man, you get to sharing your faith and you stop right in your tracks. You go, man, I, I, I love Jesus. I want to tell people about Jesus. I love this person, but I have no idea. I am just hung up right here and I want to move towards God doing more in this relationship, but God, will you show me? So tomorrow, I mean, so tonight, six o'clock, this room, that's one of the areas that you can move. That's one of the areas where you can say, I- I'm going to move towards God doing more in and through me. Six o'clock, this room, uh, sharing Jesus without freaking out. That's an opportunity. Tomorrow evening, we're going to talk about one of the most important things for you in your daily life, and that's spending time with the Lord. So many times, I as a pastor will make the mistake and say, this is God's word, now go study it. And some of you will go, and you'll open, and you'll get to Genesis. You'll make it through Genesis, and you'll make it through Exodus, and you get to Leviticus, and you go, man, I'm out. I am out of here. 
I don't understand the laws. I don't understand the pronunciations. I'm just out of here. And so tomorrow night, we want to give you the opportunity to learn, how do I spend time with Jesus? Like, how do I... How do I move from this lane to the other? I've got to take some steps. I've got to give, been give, be given some instruction to connect these dots, to bring this thing full circle. I've got to make some decisions. So tomorrow night, you've got an opportunity, 6.30, to be a part of that, part of our move week. The, the, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. See, these are passages from God's Word that show us the importance of God's Word. Yes, I want to have a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. Yes, I want to trust the Lord and not my own understanding. But some of us just need some simple instructions how to begin that. And I want you to know, if you show up tomorrow night, there's nobody going to be here in the room that's going to come down upon you and say, shame on you for just now picking this gift up. No, that's not who we are. If you're new to faith and you're new to church, please come and learn with us and grow with us as we move. Uh, Maybe some of you desire more as you move towards financial freedom. One of the most powerful tools that Satan uses in this world to bring destruction, to break up relationships and future opportunities is the vice of money and the stranglehold it has on us. I mean, for some folks and some relationships and some movements, and some opportunities, you just feel the, the darkness and the difficulties of money almost suffocate you. So on Tuesday night, our administrator, Bob James, one of our pastors here, he is going to be teaching on 57 ways to save money. I think he's actually up to 61. Um, if you know Bob, he is the most practical dude in the room, all right? Um, I, I do want to say this. For those of you who are new to Rich Fork, this is not a seminar on how to give more money to Rich Fork. Okay, I want to clarify. Will he speak on the need and the the joy of stewardship? He will do that for a few moments because that's important to him as a believer. Is that the premise of the entire night? No, it's not. So this is not a, a, a bait and hook thing. We're not trying to lure you in to talk about how you can give more to Rich Fork. This is about moving so that God can do more in your life. Wednesday night, um, Valentine's Day, I believe the most incredible gift of of, of a February 14th is we have church on a Wednesday night and we get to celebrate the Lord's Supper together, the ultimate sacrifice of love. So we can move more as we move and remember the love of Christ. Then uh, Thursday and Friday, we desire to move, we desire more as you move towards community and move towards prayer. Uh, these are two nights, again, If we were really honest, some of us would say, man, as followers of Jesus, we're over here in this lane and we're watching this person. We're like, man, they they pray so good and they they pray so frequently and it doesn't seem to bother them. I could never pray in front of them. We want to help you move towards that. And Thursday and Friday night, again, no judgment here. We're going to pray and we're probably going to weep and we're probably going to pray and we're going to worship and we're going to sing. We're going to get down on our knees We may get down on our face and ask God to do immeasurably more in and among us. And so if you say, man, that sounds incredibly intimidating, then join the party. You will not be alone. But let me say this. As of this morning, women, you are uh, 
you are killing us. That's the best way to say that. You are killing us men on signups. Again, you don't have to register for any of this, but we're just trying to gauge where all this is going this week because we're just kind of offering it and seeing what happens. 65 women, I think, signed up for Friday night. There's 19 men. Our culture and your homes need you to become men of prayer and worship. All right? So this is an incredible opportunity to get awkward together, okay? You're going to walk in a room, and there's going to be dudes that go, don't touch me, don't hug me, I don't cry. I'm out. All right? There's going to be people that raise their hands and people that look at you funny because you raise your hands. It's all okay. Ephesians 4 says we are united in one spirit in the body of Christ, but you're never going to move from this lane to the other spiritually until you make some steps. Now, none of these may be places that you're struggling, and that's incredible. But every single one of us knows an area of our lives that we need to move more in obedience, more in discipline, whatever that is, move towards maturity for God to do more, more in our lives. Next Saturday, you'll give an opportunity. We'll give you some resources Wednesday, Thursday, Friday on how to fast, how to pray, how to rest. Uh, after a busy week of spending time together, growing together, we're going to give you some time to breathe, time to, to do some stuff on your own, to just rest in the Lord. Uh, and then we're going to gather back together next Sunday for worship. And man, we just expect more and more. We expect God to move this week in, in some miraculous ways in the lives uh, of our people. Now, a couple little things there, instructions I forgot to give in the first service, so we'll put this one online. Uh, if you've got kids, we only have children's ministry, kids' ministry, um, sixth grade down uh, on our evening, on Wednesday evening, and then, of course, on our Sunday mornings. Um, the reason for that is we do not want to make and ask our children's preschool and student volunteers to not be able to invest in some of these themselves. So we've intentionally placed these over a week. Um, you can divide those things up. Um, the other thing is, question we've had is, if I got a teenager, can they come to the men's night of worship? Absolutely. Absolutely. Dads, if you've got some teenage sons, I mean, if, as long as you contain your eight-year-old and they, you know, are corralling around, knowing that some people may be seeking rep repentance and forgiveness, uh, just know that that's going to take place. We'd love, love, love for you to invite them, for them to witness the body of Christ in a different way. So that's our week. And that's our week is to prepare us to move to more. Now, let me be honest. You're not going to walk out Tuesday night of 67 or 547 ways to save money, whatever Bob ends up with. You're not going to walk out a millionaire. You're not going to walk out tonight at 8, uh, 8.15 when you leave this building, and you're probably not going to start an evangelistic service tomorrow and lead thousands of people to Jesus. You might, and that would be incredible, but we're just asking and saying, hey, these are some opportunities for you to move in these areas and prepare us for what you have in store for us. So for you to have that opportunity to grow in your faith, to trust in the Lord. In closing, I want to read a different interpretation of Ephesians this morning. And it says this. It's a combination of various translations and my words from me to you as a congregation. My response is to get down on my knees before the Father this creator of the universe, Father. And I'm asking him to strengthen you, to empower you, to move you. 
that Christ will live in you. And I ask that you would be planted firmly on His love and be able to take the love of Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of Jesus, and you'd begin to experience how wide it is, how long it is, how deep it is, and how profound it is for your loves. My prayer is that you realize that God can do anything far more than you would ever guess, request, or dream up. My prayer is that you would allow us as a congregation to be a part of God's moving in your life so that God can move us towards more as we pursue Him. Let's pray together.